Let's pray. Lord, as we come to understand your scripture, as we come to seek to know it for our own lives, to understand how to live it out in these times when we're isolated from others. Lord, help us with your word this day. Thank you. We praise you and we thank you in the name of Christ. Amen. One of the kind of books I like the most are mysteries. And I, I like mysteries because uh, when there's a really good author, the, the author will get me captivated, wondering what is going on in the story. And, and I read and I read and I read because I, I want to find out what that mystery is. I want to find out how it gets revealed. And ultimately, when it's revealed, it's, it's really fun and exciting to discover what uh, the book was about. You know, we are creatures that want to know what we don't know. And isn't that the situation with Adam and Eve? They wanted to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil because they only knew good. They didn't know evil. They wanted to know what they didn't know. And so they ate of the fruit and in the end they did know. But of course, we know that sin came into the world. There's a reason why God was keeping that as a mystery. Now up in to this point, we have gotten through the first two chapters of Ephesians, and we have seen many things that, that help us understand the secrets of living a better life, that life that God has for us. We have learned things like that we are chosen by God and, and redeemed by God so that we can praise God and be fruitful for His kingdom and to live for Him and to be attentive to His will. We have learned that it is about living at His will and not, not our will, and that we are guided by His power and given the ability to, to live for Him when we seek Him and trust in Him. We have been created to do good works, but we are not saved by our good works. We're saved through our faith in Christ, and therefore we are part of God's family, and we belong. So these are some of the wonderful truths we've been living. And so we come today to Ephesians chapter 3. And we see that in the chapter 3, Paul talks about this mystery. This mystery that was not known, but has been made known to him. And it, he was so compelled by this mystery that he wanted to share it with others so that others would learn it and know it and be compelled by it to share it with others as well. Well, in the first two chapters of the book of Ephesians, Paul paints in broad strokes a picture of God's saving and unifying work. He concludes by focusing on the people of God, how we, are served, uh, we serve as a unified body, the holy temple in which the Spirit of God dwells. But here in chapter 3, it starts with a different vein with Paul explaining his own mission in light of God's work in his life. And so he says in verse 2, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now, this word administration comes from the Greek word oikomonia, or oikonomia. And it, another way you could translate it would be stewardship. Paul sees himself as a steward, one has been entrusted with this mystery, with the grace of God, and he's responsible to entrusting it to others, to share it with others so that they could in turn share it with more. It has come to him by revelation from God. 
when he was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus came and appeared to him, and not only said, you need to believe in me, you need to have faith in me, but I have a purpose for you to serve me by telling others about this great gift of God's love and salvation. And at that point, he had a mission. He realized he had a mission, a special calling to do this work for the Lord. He began to understand about the grace of God as something that was given to him, something that he didn't deserve. He understood that in the midst of his great sin, God was giving him this wonderful gift of grace and forgiveness and salvation. You remember back in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul told us that we are saved by grace through faith and it's not by our own works. Paul had been a Pharisee and he thought that the work that he did as a Pharisee, that was the work that actually saved him. I was doing these good things for God. He was thinking, and that's what saved me. But he learned that he had it all wrong. And he learned more about God's love and God's grace. And he was changed and he became a Christ follower. This revelation changed his life as he became probably the greatest missionary and preacher of Christ there ever has been. The truth is, when we come to believe in Christ, it is only by revelation from God to us that we understand and that we believe and we know this truth that in Christ alone we are saved. We are to come to God as Paul did. And that is one who receives God's grace, is thankful for God's grace, rejoices in God's grace, and shares God's grace with others, to as many people as we can. We are humbled by the fact that God in Christ forgives us, cleanses us, and restores us. This COVID-19 virus hit, came upon us about two months ago, middle of March, and it has impacted our lives and our world in significant ways. It is a great mystery to scientists and to doctors. They don't really understand all about it, and they're still studying it and learning it, but wouldn't it be wonderful if they just understood the mystery of this virus? Think about how it could help us, how it could free us, how it could let us live in the way we need to live and are not able to live right now. In the struggles that we're experiencing, we could be freed up from all of that. There's been some breakthroughs, but it's still a great mystery. But this is even more true about God and the mysteries about God. The mysteries about God and His ways, about Christ and His coming. Paul talks about how, especially in the past generations, these were very mysterious ideas. But now, through the Scripture, through the revelation that Paul received, he started to understand these mysteries so that he could share it with others. We are helped much once we understand and gain insight into the mystery of Christ. Paul says in verses 5 to 6, in Ephesians chapter 3, which was not made known to the people of other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This mystery is that through the gospel, that in Jesus Christ we have forgiveness of sins and salvation, the Gentiles are heirs together in salvation 
with all of Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise of Christ. When you hear this word together, what do you think of? I think of how I long to be together with you. I'm here in the sanctuary and I look around and it would be so wonderful if these chairs were filled with all of our congregation and I could be preaching to you in person. I've had a number of you tell me that you miss church, that you miss being together with God's people. You miss church and worshiping God together. Well, Paul says that we are together as heirs, members, and sharers. All who believe in Christ are bonded together in these ways. And this reminds us that we are not alone, not alone in life, not alone when we're quarantined and not alone in our struggles. We are together. Just as Christ made Jews and Gentiles heirs together in Christ, so we are brought together as Christ's body in special and, and wonderful ways. And so the first point today of our secrets of living a better life is that the mystery of God is revealed. All who believe in Christ are not only saved by Christ, and we are not alone because we are bonded together as God's people. What a powerful truth this is. Well, Paul goes on then to talk about being a servant. He says in verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Now this concept of being a servant is not popular in our culture because it's thought of someone who is low in position. A servant has no rights, has no real say for themselves. A servant is thought to be an unimportant person. And the truth is, it was similar in Paul's day. A servant was someone of low status, low income, and high work demands. Yet the Apostle Paul chooses to use this language when he talks about his apostolic work. We see that he has great humility as he thinks about himself as a servant of the Lord. In Ephesians, he refers to himself as a servant of the gospel. That is, a servant of the good news, commanded by God to take this new good news to those who need to hear it, to the Gentiles and all who do not know Christ. That they, together with the Jews, will form a single people of God. This is a wonderful truth. And he chooses this language because he knows that all that he has and all that he is is because of what Christ has done for him. He has this new perspective on life. He has chosen to be a servant of the Lord because it is, he knows it's the better way to live. He knows it's the only way to live. He has gone from the appointment of being a Pharisee and all the power that comes with that to choosing to be a servant and the power that he receives from Christ in that. You and I might not be literal servants, but we should have this same perspective that Paul has, that as followers of Christ, we really are servants. This is something that we can and should choose. We are servants of God, called to serve others in God's name. We are to serve our Lord, not just in our churchly duties, but in all that we do. We can serve God through our service to the people with whom we work, live, play, and worship. We serve 
God by serving the gospel. That is, by living the good news of Christ to all that we come in contact with. How you live your life should be a testimony to the gospel of Christ. Paul gives us more insight as he tells us that we don't have this servant attitude and we don't do the work of a servant of Christ on our own. We do it. Because as Paul says, it is the working of his power in our lives. Christ empowers us not only to desire to serve him, but the energy and enthusiasm and ability to serve him as well. Often I have people tell me that it can be difficult to serve God. And so I talk with them about this, and, and I learned that more often than not, it's because they're trying to do it on their own power. And they're trying to do all these different things instead of trying to understand what does God have for me and how will God enable me and energize me to do that which He has called me to do. Paul knew that he had great accomplishments in his life. I mean, he, in the book of Philippians, goes through in detail about these accomplishments, all these great things about his life. But then... He says in verse 8, Ephesians 3, 8, although I, am least than the although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. This is Paul's great statement of humility. As he follows a long line of humble servants of the Lord, servants like Abraham and Moses and David, these servants rejoiced in the grace of God manifested to others. They were willing to receive instruction, admonition, and input from others, and especially from God. Their desire was to submit to the sovereignty of God, to seek and to know and to follow His will. Paul knew that anything he did on his own was worthless compared to what he could do for Christ. Philippians 3.7, he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And then in the next verse, Philippians 3.8, he talks about how any of his works, any of his accomplishments are like dung, like rubbish, compared to the works he does for Jesus. This could be hard to take hold of, especially when we live in a world that, that tells us we're supposed to lift up ourselves, we're supposed to talk about our accomplishments, we're supposed to show how we are better than others. But Paul says in verses 9 to 10, And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And this idea of administering this manifold wisdom, the great reformer John Calvin says, the publication of the gospel is a fellowship because it is the will of God that his purpose, which had formerly been hidden, shall now be shared by men to enlighten all, conveying the thought that in his apostleship, the grace of God shines with the brightness of noonday. When we are trying to accomplish things for ourselves, we will not have the goal of sharing the mystery of Christ with others. 
We won't be trying to help others understand the wisdom of God because we are living in the earthly realm, not in the heavenly realm, where God teaches us and then sends us out. According to Ephesians 3.10, the church, you and me included, is right in the core of God's redeeming, restoring, and unifying work. This is how we are to think when we understand we are a servant of the Lord. And so the second point for understanding the secrets of living a better life is that when you, as a servant of the Lord, are making plain the mystery of God, you will be much more fruitful and fulfilled in your life. You will understand more clearly and share more clearly God's mystery, which is the riches of God in Christ. So we are told to make the manifold witness of God available to all, understood by all. If you think about it, it's quite a big task. Even more when Paul says in verse 11, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are to make this known because it is God's purpose, his eternal purpose, meaning that this is what God intended all along for us to take this mystery and to share it with those who do not know it so that they can come to know it and understand it. This is what the church is called to do. We as a church are called to reveal the manifold witness of God to our neighbors, our communities, our cities, to our world. The wisdom is manifold because it has great intricacy and complexity and beauty. It is being made known because for so many it is hidden and God wants it to be known. Pastor John Piper says, the very existence of the church is a sign to demons that their authority has been broken and that their defeat is imminent. God shows through the church that his purposes are being fulfilled and they're moving toward their climax. God has chosen to display his wisdom in all its dimensions through his church. In light of this, in Ephesians 2, 1-10, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we who are in Christ should live in real time in a very different way than those who are still dead in their transgressions. We should be people who live life to the fullest and making use of our freedom from sin, living each day in the flow of God's grace and receiving it freely and giving it away. As Christians, we should live in such a way that the world sees a distinctive difference, that they look at the church and they say, there's something different there, something magnetic, something that can't be explained, except for the fact that God is at work in Christ's followers, and consequently, in the church, through Jesus Christ. So therefore, we are making God's wisdom known by the way we live our lives. It is natural. It flows from God to us, and then flows out of us in a natural way so that it is visible to those who are around us. It is accomplished because Jesus Christ is at work in us. Because Jesus is the head of the church, this time of quarantine is actually a wonderful time for us to do this. So many are struggling in this time of isolation, and they're having difficulty dealing with it. But if we let God be with us and help us and empower us in this time and it helps us to be a witness because we understand it's not about dwelling on our own selves but it's about thinking about how can I help someone else? How can I lift up someone else? And what a difference that makes 
for us and for them and for our witness. I say all this and it might just make you frustrated. And you might say, well, that's just too big a task for me. Or it might bring some guilt upon you and say, well, I'm not doing that or I don't think I can do that. And, and I want to tell you that God would never want you to be motivated through guilt. You're called to do this. And if you don't choose to do this, then you might feel guilty. But let me tell you this. You need to do it out of love for God, out of being excited about what God has done in your life and how God wants you to impact the lives of others. This will only happen when we open ourselves up fully and allow God to work in and through us. Verse 12 may help. He says, In Him and through faith in Him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So we can come to God at any time. We can approach God's throne with confidence. We can ask anything that's within God's will and God will give it to us in His time and in His way. We don't have to live ordinary lives. We can live that better life by spending time in God's presence and letting God motivate us to do these great works He prepares us to do, namely to reveal His manifold wisdom. The more you are captivated by what God has done in your life through Christ, the more you'll be motivated to live this transformed life. And in verse 13, Paul talks about how he's writing this from prison. I mean, think about that. He's writing this from prison, and he tells him, do not be discouraged because of my situation. Those words should encourage us to say, I should not be discouraged in my situation, but rather, I should be excited about what God can do, even in the midst of my struggles. Because God is that kind of God, and works that way in our lives when we come to Him. See, the more you offer yourself to the Lord as someone who lives for the glory of God, the more you will discover the life that God has to bring out from you, empowering you to be fully alive to do this, and the more understanding you will have of God's mystery. So our third point of the secrets of living a better life is to not be discouraged, but let the power of Christ work in you to accomplish great works for, for God as you unfold to others God's manifold wisdom of salvation. Woodrow Wilson once said, I'd rather fail in a cause that will ultimately succeed than to succeed in a cause that will ultimately fail. And Proverbs 16.9 tells us, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Too often we, we just try to go our own way, on our own strength, with our own goals. And we struggle, and we stumble, and we get frustrated, and we get discouraged. Even as a church, we can forget what God wants us to do, what we're called to do, what we're set apart to do as God's church. But God's plan will succeed. The question is, will you and I be a part of that plan? I pray that your desire, that my desire, that your heart, my heart, the church's goal is to understand the mystery of God, that all who believe in Christ become one in Christ. See, why we are isolated from one another, we can feel that great works are not happening. We might not see the great works that God is doing, but God is a wonderful God who works in unique and mysterious ways. Maybe it's just 
sending an email to someone, seeing how they're doing. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a letter. You actually write a letter to someone, encouraging them. Maybe it's inviting them to watch our service on YouTube. Someone that maybe wouldn't normally go to church, and, and they'll, they'll watch a church service on YouTube. We can do a great work in so many ways still. We just have to be a little more creative. See, I pray that we will be motivated by this truth, to live as servants of the Lord and not for ourselves. I pray that we will not be discouraged when it feels like things are not really happening the way we, they, we want them to. Rather, that we would stay faithful, knowing that God will accomplish great works in and through your divine lives. Knowing that God will do a work in His church, through His church, and reach the people who need Jesus. As we show the world in doing this, that God is in charge, and that God is the victor. Let us pray.